This is the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast with Rachel Spencer. Listen in each week for tips on ways to win media coverage and create content to make sure your pet business stands out from the competition. This week on the podcast, I'm really excited to be talking to Stephanie Zickman from the Holistic Dog Grooming Academy. Stephanie is a dog groomer, a dog grooming coach, a dog grooming expert, and she's helped people understand the importance of holistic dog grooming all over the world. Stephanie only started her dog grooming business back in 2018, but what she's achieved in the last three years is just extraordinary. I think you'll really like this episode because she talks about all of the highs and lows of her experience in the pet industry. She also talks about the dark side of putting herself out there and what happens when you're in the public eye and you get lots of publicity and people don't like what it is that you've had to say. Stephanie had a really difficult experience earlier this year, but she has turned it around spectacularly and she talks about how she coped, how she built that resilience and how she is now thriving and building a fantastic business where she's going to be working with people all over the world. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed talking to Stephanie. Hi Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's brilliant to have you here. Hello Rachel, I, I honestly I was so excited to come along and talk to you so I'm, I'm glad we finally got to do it. Oh bless you, thank you so much. Okay so can we start then by, can you just tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Yep so I'm Stephanie Zickman, I am known as the Holistic Dog Groomer and I currently have two businesses at the moment so I operate as a Holistic Groomer in my own clinic at home but I also run the internationally accredited distance learning college, sorry, the Holistic Grooming Academy. Brilliant okay so I know this already and I always feel weird when I'm chatting to people who I know really well like you (laughs) but um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the pet industry and what's your background before you started um, as a dog groomer? Sure I mean I think I've I've said this story loads of times but um, (laughs) so I started as a disc jockey first of all that was my trade before I was ever in the pet grooming industry and I think what spurred on a kind of change of career first of all was having a family um, and sociable hours just didn't seem to work for me obviously being a disc jockey I was out late um, and I had four dogs at the house at home anyway so um, I used to every night I used to brush my dog's coats um, and I have quite bad mental health as well so um, it was just my way of trying to calm down after a really busy day's work and it, it was really effective in keeping me sane um, and when obviously I had a family, um, the idea of obviously pursuing that as a career was really highlighted because it was it was like two birds, one stone. Um, you know, I get to, to work with dogs and I absolutely love dogs, but I also get to curb my mental health as well. So it was a kind of natural transition, although it's quite random. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting about the about grooming your own dogs and, your, and how it helped with your mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and can you tell us a little bit about your dogs as well? Okay, so I've got four. I've got King Louis and Nala, who are Tibetan Mastiffs. Um, I also have Lola, the miniature poodle, and Jessica, the miniature dachshund. And they all have their own issues. Brilliant. <laughs> Which is probably why, again, I'm so interested in the holistic approach to things and the behaviour side of grooming as well. It's just to try and help enhance, obviously, the experience that, you know, more sensitive dogs receive. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm... You've 
that's why I wanted you to um, to tell us about the dogs that you've got, because I remember we did an interview earlier this year, didn't we, about living with big dogs. And you were telling us about how when you brush your dog, you can basically feel like a pillowcase full of their hair. And so like when Steph's saying, oh, you know, I used to brush my dogs when I got home from work, like the magnitude of that job. It's not like just giving like I've got a little terrier, so I give him a little stroke <laughs> and there's a bit of hair on the floor. Like you would have been, you know, you're brushing a giant dog, aren't you? And yes. It's, it's quite the task, I imagine, isn't it? Well, it's it's the double coats, I think. That I mean, a lot yeah. of people hate it. Um, I find it personally, I find it really therapeutic. Um, and if you've got a good a kind of good technique as well, and obviously your dogs enjoy being brushed, then it's it's a lot easier to obviously manage it. But no, I absolutely love it. And like you say, you could literally fill a room with hair when it's <laughs> when it's molten season. Um, honestly, um, we've actually now got a designated part of the house that basically my husband said yeah you can brush them in there and that's it um because we're finding you know here in our like cups of tea and things as well in the kitchen so (laughs) it's terrible um but yeah no it's 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 hard work but it can be really therapeutic as well if you get into a routine with it brilliant okay I'm just laughing about the the dog hairs in the cup of tea because I like I've got one little terrier who who does molt quite a lot actually but yeah I imagine you have lots I I regularly find dog hairs on plates or (laughs) in the gym and then there'll be just be like loads of dog hair underneath Mm -hmm. me even though there isn't a dog in the gym but it's obviously just come off my clothes and stuff which I know sounds a bit disgusting but anyway I digress so tell us a bit about um about holistic grooming and what that is so I know um I know you've got a big community and and you've really um done incredible things with holistic grooming but I know that um, some people listening who might not be in the grooming industry um it might be really helpful for you to explain a little bit about what holistic grooming is it's interesting because my idea of holistic grooming has evolved even in the last year um so when I first started practicing as a holistic groomer back in I think it was probably the end of 2018 um it it was more focused on you know your products and you know your spa treatments and things like that that all sound very nice and very holistic Mm -hmm. but as I've obviously evolved with my own education it's became more about looking at the environment as a whole treating the animal as a whole considering you know history lifestyle medication perhaps um, all the different aspects that make up that dog's care um, and and using that information to help enhance the grooming environment Um, Mm -hmm. so it's it's it can sound quite complex, but if you're aware of even like basic behavior and observation, that can really help. And then obviously adapting your environment to suit the individual needs of the dog as well. That's a really crucial point of holistic grooming. Okay, so when you were, when you were talking about your education and, and the kind of things that you studied as well to to bring to life your holistic grooming business and then your, all the other things that have followed, which we'll talk about later, how did you go about doing that? How did you go about learning all the things? Because there's obviously a lot to learn, isn't there? But how did you go about kind of educating yourself on this? It's on really this strange as well, Rachel, because as a as a trainee dog groomer, you're never really told much about the behaviour side of things. Mm-hmm. It's very much aesthetic based. So it's how to obviously achieve a breed standard trim, how to, you know, physically restrain a dog in order to complete a a style safely without the dog jumping off the table for example or turning around to bite you things like that um so first of all I think the experience of training itself was the thing that spurred me on in terms of learning a more 
um, behavior applied form of grooming yeah. but also having dogs in the in the home as well that have their own issues so knowing that there was more to working with dogs even in grooming that would help enhance the overall service so I started looking for distance-based um, organizations that would help me to enhance my skills as I was working so I came across um, the International School of Canine Psychology I went on to do a safe handling diploma with Tony Shelburne who's an amazing um, tutor I absolutely loved um, having her as my as my tutor she, she taught me so much um, so I got that um, and then I went on to progressing into my certification in canine behavior as well so I did my official diploma yeah. in that um, and it just opened my eyes to an array of different things that I didn't think was even relevant until we were so <laughs> it's um just listening to you talk then I was thinking it's it's and because I've you know I've followed you right from the beginning I think uh-huh. I started doing what I do just at, I reckon it was about the same time so I started okay. working more with small businesses so I've always kind of known you from social media uh-huh. and seen what you've been up to but I was thinking when you were talking then about um about how we see our dogs and how pampered they are in one respect and it's you know it's great that we want to give our dogs these lovely lives but then the the traditional image of a dog in a grooming salon is so far removed from the pampered you know the pampered yeah. really well loved really well cared for really um really respected animal that that we know and love and the, I can completely see where you're coming from and with the idea of not wanting to ha- looking at you know more old-fashioned mm-hmm. you know I've you know I remember when I first took Daisy to a grooming salon and what it was like and she was quite anxious and seeing the equipment and that kind of thing and thinking oh gosh I don't know about being here and seeing how you talk about things and how it is you know the the completely different the completely force-free um methods that you use and everything I think it's really fascinating to watch because it does yeah. something you do sometimes feel like we love our dogs they're our family and everything like that but there are some things that that need to catch up with the way that we treat our dogs now definitely um, compared yeah. to what it was like 50 even even 20 10 years ago yeah Yeah. 10 years ago so I think um when I was I was looking at some of your cuttings and looking at your website doing you know having a look at your background obviously I know you quite well already Mm -hmm. but I was reading some of your stuff um earlier on today um and for me it feels like the force three the four all the force three methods that we've seen in training are now coming into grooming but and that's that's a lot of the things that you're talking about isn't it so can you tell us a, a bit more about your approach to grooming and um I think I, th- I think originally when I first came into the, the grooming industry it was very much a divided sector so yeah. it was you know behavior is one thing training's one thing and grooming's a completely different thing and I don't think any of us really stopped to think about the significance of all of our input when it comes to the overall well-being and health of that animal. Yeah. Um, so when I started learning more about behaviour, um, I realised that there was actually a whole lot of training and behaviour work that we do naturally within the grooming environment, although we could be you know, better educated as to more up-to-date methods and things like that. So when I when I consider like force free grooming, for example, can be often taken too literally at times as well, especially within the grooming environment, because yeah. at the end of the day, when you compare grooming to, for example, training out, you know, outside, if you were to go to, you know, a local trainer and be taught 
you know, basic commands like sit and things like that. It can be a lot more force-free than, say, in a grooming environment where you're handling really sharp tools and you're having to, you know, style a dog to a certain breed standard trim. So there is a lot more risk of safety and injury and things like that going on as well. But the idea of force-free within the grooming environment is simply to offer the dog more choice and more opportunity to consent to how they're handled. Mm -hmm. Um, The introduction of handling devices while considering the needs of the animal as well. So we're using positive um, methods to introduce them to the different parts of grooming rather than just expecting them to to obviously submit to the process instantly. Um, You know, using positive reinforcement, desensitization methods, counter conditioning, there's all sorts of things that from a training and behavioral standpoint can be put into the groom environment to enhance it and also to build that mutual trust and cooperation between the groomer and the dog so it's mm-hmm. not about it's not so much about saying you know restraints and all that can go um, because yeah. there are obviously other things to consider like we've got to think about our insurances a lot of insurances for example say that you cannot not have a restraint on it or it avoids your insurance so insurance companies are still quite outdated as well so until that's updated groomers are a little bit more restricted as to what they can do but it's about learning more how to communicate observe mm-hmm. like observe the dog within the grooming environment and try and make it less stressful and you know I talk about safety an awful lot as well because ironically we use these handling devices as a safety and precaution yeah. but when a dog is when a dog is restricted for example, in a handling restraint, um, this sense of safety and security is diminished then because they're basically, their their ability to express natural behaviours is restricted. And so, you know, there's a blockage there of emotion. Um, so the dog feels less safe in an environment where it feels confined yeah. um, when we're not careful. Sorry, my dogs are barking. I knew it's going to happen, but... It's okay. <laughs> Um, I, I'm looking at him I'm going please don't bark um, but yeah so it's more about how we approach the environment and how we can introduce a wee bit more consent and choice mm-hmm. yeah don't worry about dogs barking on the podcast because there's always, there's always some woofing going on <laughs> or some <laughs> clattering around with Pat shaking his thing um, so you so when you were fir- when you first thought okay I, I'm going to be a dog groomer but I want to do things differently this is how this is how I'm going to do things how did it you know what were the steps that you took to put put yourself out there and I guess and be known for your thing and to talk about the different things that you did and why you were doing them in the way that you in the way that you did them how did you do that um I think Initially, it was all advertising towards my clients, first of all. So I I looked for specific clients who were interested in a a different way, in a different approach. Um, That then caught the interest of some local reporters who then had published an article about my approach and how, you know, this this is a groomer who, you know, provides spa treatments for dogs, like how insane is that and things like that, yeah. <laughs> like that were going about. Um, and then from there, the BBC asked me to come on and speak um, in their studios about obviously the the benefits of, of enhancing the bond between, you know, handler and dog. So that was the kind of the catalyst, I would say, to reason raising my profile and yeah. raising of, 
of the fact that I was doing things a little bit differently. Um, but obviously from there, the, it just kind of escalated and you know that because you've helped me along the way yeah. as well, Rachel. But, um, you know, getting a column on Edition Dog Magazine was a fantastic opportunity for me because it was the very first holistic based magazine yeah. in the UK for dogs. Um, so to, to be able to write in something like that was amazing. It was a great opportunity. So thank you, Jennifer, if you are listening as well. She's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh wow no it's a it's a brilliant magazine and it and it all kind of happened it was a perfect storm because the magazine oh, would have probably came out around the time that you were getting yourself massively out there as well and yeah. and also like I so I knew that you'd had I knew that you'd had some you'd had a lot of coverage before we started working together probably about a year and a half ago it was wasn't it um, yeah. but yeah it's also really good that you, it happened organically because you were you were following you following your heart and doing something that you yeah. felt so passionate about and you managed to make people sit up and listen and then get the media interest as well and really capitalize on that as well so it's just just fantastic how it's worked out for you and I guess that in those early days when you're thinking oh gosh you know is this right am I doing this right am I onto something and feeling we all doubt ourselves don't we but to have mm-hmm. that to have that reception I guess must have been must have been really good um so Tell us about how you what so you've you had this great exposure, you've got your magazine column, you've been on the BBC, which is awesome. Tell us about how you kind of built on that and you know where you went from there to get to really make sure the holistic, the whole the holistic grooming, I guess, method was available for, for everybody to to learn about. It's you know it's such a difficult question because like my, my husband always says to me you need to get this written down like in a business type book so that people can understand how to do what you've done as quickly as you've done it because it seems to if my business has, has been a kind of whirlwind of successes yeah um and I don't actually understand how it happened <laughs> but I think because I'm such a passionate writer as well and being yeah. able to to write and and publish my work that was generating a lot of interest so after the obviously the initial article from Edition Dog magazine I started writing on my own blog as well yeah and then and I built my community on Facebook where I would share my input and my opinions and my approach and things like that um simultaneously on a business front I was also videoing like what I was doing behind the scenes yeah so it was showing people the value you know there as evidence so it wasn't just that I was writing something and doing something else that people were actually seeing what I was doing and how effective that it was so that yeah. was building momentum as well um so yeah I think I think building the community on Facebook I think Facebook's been a great blessing to me for that because it's been my my place to showcase exactly what I'm doing and, and provide the evidence that a lot of people would have asked for um, had it just been solely written. Yeah. And then tell us about the book because you had to, I've got your book, it's just on my bookshelf over there, but um, you had your, you, you wrote your book, your first book last year, didn't you? Uh-huh, I so now, oh God, I know I was so, it was so scary because it was the first time that like, I was going to, go like you know just write down absolutely everything that I do and publish it into official book it was just it was scary because there wasn't any books out there like that yeah um is brutally honest as well so you know it was identifying the flaws of the industry I know there's there's other books there were other books out there similar but they weren't as I would say they weren't as what's the word I'm looking for direct maybe yeah um 
because it was a lot there was a lot of opinion based to it as well as obviously the science and things so mm-hmm. having that out there it kind of exposed me so I was a wee bit vulnerable when I initially published it but it became a bestseller um in yeah. seven, uh, seven categories sorry including veterinary medicine on Amazon wow. which really proud of um and yeah like there was loads of, of groomers coming back and saying you know like I totally agree with everything that you've said and there were so many other groomers that have been doing it for years but I've just yeah. never never been you know out there talking about it so it yeah. just kind of highlighted to me that there, there was so many more holistic groomers out there and that it wasn't so much a lonely place it was mm-hmm. actually very much a thing um in its own right so uh, it was a great experience that yeah and it's good for you to have that community as well because when you've you know you've got a lot of I know you've got a lot of groomers in your community but you know a lot of people in the pet world as well don't you and you'll know dog walkers trainers behaviorists and they will be asked about you know my like for instance you know I don't know if this is right or wrong but I we bath patch at home he's never actually been to a groomers but if he was to go there I know there's certain things that would really freak he he doesn't like going on the table that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and I know he would find it quite distressing whereas if I knew I know that I can ask you and you could tell me where my nearest holistic grooming salon would be Um, and I guess having that network not just of the groomers but of the other pet professionals means that your mission is that dogs don't have a distressing time at the groomers isn't it that they are happy and it's a positive experience and you can spread that mission you can make sure that that happens via the community and the network that you've created which is is what what it's all about isn't it yeah it's it's one of the massive factors of holistic grooming is synchronicity so Mm -hmm. it's encouraging all pet professionals to work together and you know mutually um synchronized care so it means then that there's no aversives being used and doggy daycare centers behaviorist trainers whatever it is everyone's kind of on the same wavelength and then that means then we're all contributing then to the overall health and well-being so it's not just a case of oh let the dog groomers do their job and we can go wherever we want you know for training or whatever it's trying to provide that network for each dog to suit his needs or her needs so that Mm -hmm. you know all of our effort because there's a lot of effort within the grooming environment as well to, to kind of embrace this approach but if we're all working together then all the hard work's paying off then because it's just consistent throughout that dog's life yeah 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 and this is that I think pet parents pet guardians however you approach them or, or describe them that this this is what we this is what we want particularly young mm-hmm. um young people who who have dogs that's really you know they are so passionate about them having the right food and being in the right environment and and hear you know hearing mm-hmm. about the way that you work is you know it's exactly what people want because the world has moved on hasn't it you know we used to keep mm-hmm. dogs in yards and feed them scraps and <laughs> it's really changed doesn't it so and yeah well although I think my Tibet massives would be quite happy to live in a yard honestly oh yeah they'd be warm <laughs> enough wouldn't they and then you wouldn't have to hoover all the time uh-huh. <laughs> honestly it's pelting down with rain some days and they're still out there and you're like again yeah, hurry up yeah. and they just don't want to come in you've got some tough dogs out there then haven't you Mm -hmm. so tell us about um tell us about the impact that the media opportunities have had on you um on your business but also on your authority as well as a grooming expert we were speaking about this as well the other day weren't we about obviously being able to define yourself as an expert and how it makes you feel because I'm still really uncomfortable with that term I think that because I I'm always learning first of all and even if we rewind to a year ago 
you know what I knew then is completely different to what I know today so but definitely when you're out there and people are obviously seeing you on media outlets that are you know out with social media so you've got the likes of newspapers and magazines and things like that it does make you more credible um and for me personally I would say that from I'd say that since having my column in Edition Dog magazine more people have taken me seriously yeah. in the pet industry, definitely. Um, and then obviously getting published on Entrepreneur Europe as well. That was a big one. I, I, oh, honestly, I could have peed clutter. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but, I was so good when you posted that. I was like, oh, this is that's amazing. All your, and, that was from your guidance though, Rachel, as well. So, I mean, you have to, I, I would say like, when it comes to media coverage as well, you have to invest in the people that know better as well, people with experience in it already. Because um, pitching's a big thing, isn't it? So you need to be able to pitch. Oh, thank you. No, well, th- I really appreciate it. But you, you do, you, as you say, you love writing. You're a great writer, and you do the work. But yeah, I do think it helps sometimes just to have someone to, um, you know, just to kind of steer you in the right direction and to be there, and also being part. I know at the time you were in my uh, membership community, and being in a community where people are doing going through the same thing with you. So when you, yeah. when you need to psych yourself up. Um, they're there behind you if you have a knockback they're there for you as well and then exactly. if you have a brilliant vision entrepreneur they're like buzzing for you as well which is it's about like celebrating without wanting to sound cheesy it's about you know everyone gets behind each other's wins don't they so that's that's a really good thing so tell us about um how you went from dog because you've now got your holistic grooming academy so you've gone from having a dog being a service provider I know you've still got your salon um, mm-hmm. And then you've gone, you've, you, you're now coaching. So tell us how, how that all came about. Lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> one word, <laughs> lockdown. Um, yeah, do you know, it's it's one of those ones that working, working as a, a dog groomer, it, it was fulfilling that, that boy to do better, but yeah. it wasn't reaching enough people. So I always played in the back of, my, back of my mind that I didn't want it to be a niche. I didn't want to be the only holistic groomer because obviously I worked in a one-to-one capacity as well so things like falling sick for example I'm unwell right now but that that kind of thing was really really tough in my clients because you can't afford to be sick when you're the only person doing what you do so the idea of coaching is always going to be something that I would tap into at some point but lockdown just kind of spurred it on a lot quicker Um, because the idea is obviously to reach as many groomers as possible to try and embrace a more holistic practice for the greater good um so when lockdown obviously forced groomers to shut down or when they say shut down they didn't really it was really really ridiculous actually so we're technically allowed to stay open but we were down about 90 percent because people didn't want to venture out right so um we were at a loss obviously because that's your bread and butter um so I said to my husband at the time I was like look what what we have available to us is we've got a laptop we've got the internet so what the hell can I do um so I devised a course basically everything that I do into a course and I thought I'll start advertising that to see if there's any interest and obviously everyone had spare time because nobody was working and a lot of people had grants as well so they had that money there to invest so it just kind of took off when I first launched that the course was available I put it through CPD UK so it was accredited because I thought it needs to be it needs to be credible in that sense so that took me a wee while to get that through um and then when I finally did launch it it was sold out within a couple of weeks it was insane 
remember what I remember when you launched and I remember you sharing I think it was either photos or videos of your welcome pack and I was oh, like oh, I wish I could be in that room <laughs> they look so nice it's the best bit isn't it it's the yeah. best bit about it honestly god everyone loves stationery it honestly had so much fun putting it together I still have so much fun putting it together um I so the idea was to to basically focus on 30 students a year so that the the standard of training was quite personal then yeah. I could really dedicate enough time to each student um but obviously it's it's grown um quite quickly as well so as of next year I'll be taking on additional tutors yeah. um, and they'll be helping to to mark coursework because that is it's quite special once um, lockdown measures were lifted and we could start operating as normal it, became, it kind of suddenly became a bit overwhelming because it's like oh my god I've got so many students but it's crazy because they're all you know from all different parts of the world as well yeah. which was really humbling wow. um, and groomers from you know all different um, backgrounds you know groomers that have been grooming for 25 years and then obviously ones that are just coming into the industry as well so it was really really humbling yeah and also it, it must be um it must be great for you as well to have have the people you've just said people you know have been in the industry for a long long time mm-hmm. wanting to wanting to work with you and and mm-hmm. work you know use use the methods and the processes that you use as well as people coming in um you know that's testament to, to what you've created so I, when I was doing my little digging around <laughs> um, <laughs> I found I did you know I found a couple of articles that you've written and stuff and one of them was um after you had I know you had a difficult experience last year but where you were kind of talking about how some people don't some people will challenge your methods um, and how you operate so how do you cope when people are you know when people do challenge you and people people you know have a different opinion it's really difficult isn't it because you get feelings of you know people talk about imposter syndrome and self-sabotage and things like that and it's really really real when you're experiencing some form of adversity especially when you're that passionate about what you do and especially being technically a newcomer as well so I was aware that there were going to be certain people who weren't too happy about the things that I was putting out there was I prepared for it? No. Um, I had a cry. And in yeah. fact, I ran to you as well, didn't I? Rachel, yeah. um, I think you have to have a really good emotional support network behind you. You know, being able to to trust certain individuals to, to you know, obviously go back to and ask them for advice and things. Yeah. I think that was the, the kind of lifesaver for me because, well, you know, I, I came to you that day. Um, I think I know the time you're talking about. I came yeah. to you that because I trust and I value your input um, and having that reassurance and that friend on the other end of the line just really helped to to stabilize um, mm-hmm. all of the kind of you know imposter syndrome and self-sabotaging thoughts that I had so I definitely think that taking some time off as well is really important yeah. um, so when that happened I, I did a digital detox <laughs> and I, I came offline and my husband thought I was you know losing it because you're, you're actually offline now. but I came offline and I decided to remove any of the individuals that you know were giving me grief or whatever removed them from my profile and I only focused on the people that really wanted to hear my message and it, it's, it does the world a good it honestly does yeah just um in case anyone's listening and they weren't aware of what happened can you just briefly explain um what happened and why you found yourself kind of getting a getting a bit of a kicking to put it politely it was the weirdest thing because it it just it was an it was an event that 
completely blew out of hand really but I published an article um, which subsequently went viral within the grooming community um, and I published it actually privately on my blog platform because I felt like it was maybe a wee bit it could have been classed a wee bit controversial for anything else so I kind of left it for my personal blog but it was picked up by another um, grooming organization and they asked if they could share it on their platform much to my surprise so I agreed to do that Um, however the response that they received as a result of publishing the article um, was horrendous so I think they ended up receiving numerous death threats from numerous groomers who weren't happy about obviously the contents of that article Um, but also as the author of the article I was also receiving a lot of death threats and just horrible statements like you know again like you're going to have blood in your hands because you've made groomers feel like they're you know they're they're not they're not good people but it, it kind of it taught me a really valuable lesson though Rachel because all the while my intentions weren't that at all yeah it's taught me how to try and you know think a little bit more about how words come across so that they're less fiery <laughs> um, and I'm a wee bit more mindful of how I, how I now express how I feel so it, mm-hmm. it was a learning curve but it was obviously it, it did get blown out of proportion it was horrendous yeah yeah I know from memory I don't think that you said anything that that uh, justified the 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 outcry that happened no definitely um, not it it was all just about holistic grooming wasn't it it was all yeah. about it, to be fair it was it was in highlight of the pitch the the Pitch Perfect TV series. Um, My opinion of the series was literally that it wasn't doing groomers justice. That's all I was trying to say. It's it's only showing pet guardians, the fluff and the woo-woo of the industry. It wasn't going into the depths of what we actually do behind the scenes. And when we consider grooming to be quite an undervalued industry, um, when we compare it to any other sector in the pet industry, like grooming services seems to lag behind for some reason. I think a statistic that I read somewhere said that an average a person will spend $75 a year on grooming, which is, I mean, out of this world, I couldn't believe yeah. that when I found that out. Um, you know, where, whereas if you compare it to like the pet food sector, I mean, it's really lucrative. So all I was trying to explain in that article was that if we're wanting to raise our profile and start being respected by the general public, we really have to be showing our full value and not just the aesthetics and the art and mm-hmm. what styling is. Um, but that was taken obviously in the wrong context and that's how it all blew, blew out of control. So yeah, it was, but, it was hard. Yeah, but then, you know, I was around you at the time when it happened and I'm really glad that you came on the call that day and but you know that I I and other people on the call that day were able to give you some of the support that you needed because it was it was really horrible um but like uh, you know obviously we stay in touch anyway but like you after your little digital detox like the the way that you bounced back was amazing so can you tell us about that and about you know you went from feeling really really low to thinking no like this is um this I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on doing what I'm doing. So tell us about like that turnaround and and um, how you picked yourself up. My husband actually, I have to thank my husband because he's very positive and optimistic, and he made me listen to a whole host of motivational speeches. Um, and one of the ones that I remember listening to was Les Brown, and he'd said 
someone's opinion of you doesn't have to become your reality. Yeah. And suddenly the the thoughts and the beliefs of these people that were obviously showing their their projected discomfort, should we say, yeah. um, didn't didn't matter anymore because I knew in my heart what I was doing was right. Um, so it was giving me that kind of that courage to step up. Um, mm-hmm. There was another one. It was um, Stephen Covey, and he said, "Yeah, somebody can have twenty five years of experience, or they can have one year of experience repeated twenty five times." So again, it was just reinforcing the fact that yeah, I might be a newcomer, but it doesn't it doesn't make me any less valid when it comes yeah. to you know teaching and coaching and things like that. So I think it was just having you know surrounding myself with that optimism and that positivity and then Mm -hmm. obviously knowing that I had that emotional support network and there were people there that actually did believe uh, and everything that I was doing that gave me that strength to to kind of keep going um yeah yeah and then also like what would have happened if you had just stopped like you're without wanting to sound like cheesy like you have got a really strong why haven't you what you know the thing that drives you is really you've got so much passion behind what you do so if you had just stopped you know what you we have to think about the impact on pet parents guardians animals and all those people that you've supported and helped to make a difference um and help them to feel I guess you know you know as you know I'm not a pet professional but I think whatever you're doing you know whatever you learn in life if you feel you've improved in in something then that's that's Mm -hmm. a really good thing isn't it and if your 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 students are feeling that they're providing a a, you know a better service for the animals and that's really important isn't it and that that helps you pick yourself up doesn't it so tell us about so you talked a little bit about um about resilience and the, the coping things that you just I guess you found in those times so what would you say you've um you know what what would you say you've learned when it comes to building resilience and and getting through the getting through the the highs and lows of the roller coaster of being self-employed it's really tough I think if if you know in your heart what you're doing is right then there's no other option but to keep going yeah um and I think that I mean I've been offered numerous opportunities to work with other people but they just haven't fit my my ethics so being able to to say no as well to to people Mm -hmm. if it doesn't fit in with your beliefs and just having that kind of I don't know like that um that faith I suppose and what you're doing is is the the right thing as long as you're open to taking the opinion of someone else and you're you're willing to see something from a different perspective yeah if you're continually learning then you you can't really go wrong like I I just yeah I just think it's like you say I mean if I stopped doing what I'm doing what would that have said to my children as well like you know when you're just gonna have to keep going aren't you because Mm. you know in your heart that you're doing the right thing so yeah I just keep going (laughs) yeah the other thing I was gonna say as well was um, like you know because we all we all have we all have self-doubt I will touch on that very very quickly before before um, I let you go but we do all have self-doubt and we do all, um, you know, have imposter syndrome and all of these mm-hmm. things. I, I, I know some people say, oh, that's just a load of rubbish, but they, they, they will have like, you know, we are all human, aren't we? But I do think you learn like, like one of the things I've learned is, you know, I've, I've, you, you skill up, don't you, when it comes to all these different things that you do in your business, but you also try and improve your, your emotional intelligence as well. And, mm. 
you know, whether that's doing, you know, whether that's reading a Brene Brown book or, oh. or I mean, we love a bit of Brene, don't we? Yes. I remember talking about Brene Brown books during all of yes. this, all of that. And when you were, when you were bouncing back brilliantly and we were, I think we were sharing like Brene Brown quotes. Oh but my gosh. There is, there is lots of stuff out there, isn't there, to help you when you're yeah. in these. In and do you know something, Rachel, it's something that I've definitely, I've incorporated that into the, the, the HGA as well as part of the course framework because yeah. self-care is is another undervalued part of every industry um, we need to start developing our own self-compassion because if we're not compassionate to ourselves we can't be compassionate to others yeah um, and that's something I think that you know I make all of my students do it it used to be in unit eight so there was 10 units and it used to be in unit eight and I've actually moved it now to unit one because yeah. I feel like it's such an important part of of all of our roles, regardless of what industry we're in, to start just identifying our strengths and also seeing our weaknesses as an opportunity to grow mm-hmm. um, rather than something that limits us, you know, makes us feel crap. Um, sorry, I said I wouldn't say that word. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Don't worry. It's not a full-on swear word. We can get away with, with, the, with um, that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's important, isn't it? It's really important. Yeah. I think when you start teaching something as well, I had this with um, with my program. And the first time I taught it, I thought, right, I've just got to tell people what they need to do in, to get in the mm-hmm. press. But actually, like similar to you, one of the things I've learned is that you need to also build people up and help people see, mm-hmm. you know, the, the strengths that they have. And also, like, particularly, I think, with pet professionals that, are, you know, as as pet parents, we are like we're in, you know, I'm in awe of dog trainers, dog groomers, vets, mm-hmm. pet professionals. Like I really am because they understand my dog and I don't and they can help have they can help him have a better life and that's really important to me and I think sometimes you, you know as pet professionals you can just keep on doing what you're doing you don't you need to be reminded of that so I do try to uh I do try to bring that into um into what I teach now so people do really see the value in what they do and see it from the from the pet parents perspective um I wanted to ask you as well, because I, I know you, you mentioned your brilliant entrepreneur piece, but it, it was all about imposter syndrome and self-sabotage, wasn't it? So can you can you share some of your um, your tips on overcoming overcoming those two lovely things? <laughs> I, think, I, think I've, I think I've covered it, actually. But yeah. it's, it's, you know, staying true to your core values, um, you know, using your mistakes as learning experiences rather than something that limits us. Um, what else did I write? Gosh, I need to get up. <laughs> Um, it's just I think they're the two main ones to be honest that you know we we, we're so negative bias that you know we harness in on what we can't do rather than embracing all that we can so being able to just celebrate that and use that to kind of push us forward while obviously acknowledging the fact that there are areas that we are going to need to develop and 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 enhance down the line but that's just all part of the fun in it isn't it really at the end of the day makes us all more relatable as well I've found and there's been some students have submitted units to me and I've actually learned something in the process um you know so it's all part of that experience that just because I'm a tutor doesn't mean that I know everything Mm -hmm. so I think it is it's it's being being able to as Brene says you know go into your vulnerability and admit that you're not perfect yeah yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think the other thing is um, when we look at pet professionals is to like treat ourselves the way that we tell, the way that we say that we should treat the 
treat the dogs like you know positive <laughs> reinforcement for ourselves and I know like I'm saying this is definitely do as I say and not as I do because I can be awful to myself but like we do sometimes need to step back take a step back and think no we need to have this attitude to ourselves and yeah, yeah. set ourselves up for success and be positive and and be kind to ourselves that's what it's we're going to do things it? wrong aren't we I, I I did some another thing you have to try and avoid is acting out of emotion like when yeah. you're really in that you know that whirlwind of emotion Um, I had an experience with that before actually and I sent an email when I was still really upset and then the next day I was like mortified because I thought oh my god like what have I wrote in that email so I think it's been able to admit when you're wrong as well and apologize when it yeah. matters uh, which I've done once or twice and I think it's just oh you know all part of it as well we're not perfect so yeah yeah, yeah so it is a lesson in self-awareness I guess isn't it um mm-hmm. and yeah and I think we do we are all when you're online and you're online a lot as well we do we do need to be mindful of what what we're putting out there really okay well it's been amazing talking to you Stephanie thank you so much for coming on the podcast and oh, talking about you. all kinds of different things like I love seeing everything that you do um whether it's your professional stuff or your personal stuff it's always it's you just really you're just someone who I love to watch so tell us what's next for you uh, with the academy and with all the other stuff that you're doing well I'm at the moment I'm at well I've not been well so I've had a few I've, well, I've had a week off actually so I've been working on my commissioned book that um so after I published the magical holistic grooming I was signed by a company in England to write a training manual for groomers so that's just finalised now, so I'm about to send that away. So that's the next thing. I think they're hoping to publish that next year. Yeah. Um, so that's coming up. And then, obviously, for the Holistic Grooming Academy, we've got a couple of courses coming up next year, um, written not by me. So I'm taking in other tutors, and they're going to be looking at holistic cat grooming for mm-hmm. people that are wanting to, to look at that, and also yeah. holistic horse grooming as well, which is... Wow. Um, really cool so in fact I was so excited because I don't know if you've ever heard of Amerigo the porch unicorn he went or so she went viral on Dodo the other week there so Charles who is obviously he he rescued Amerigo from a sanctuary in uh, Washington and he came on to speak to all the the students of the HGA the other week there um, just talking about his experience with with Amerigo so it was amazing so wow yeah that's that that was really exciting so yeah that's what's happening next year so we'll see how it goes you've got lots going on there and it's brilliant that the holistic grooming is spreading beyond the dog world um to the cats and the horses as well so fantastic okay well I'm gonna let you go it's been wonderful talking to you thank you so much Stephanie and keep in touch and wishing you every success with all you do tell us where people can find out more about you as well I will put all your links in but if you just tell us the best websites that'd be great all right, no problem. So if you are interested in learning more about holistic grooming, you can get me on social media if you just look up the handle at the Holistic Dog Groomer or at the Holistic Grooming Academy. But if you're wanting a website, the best website to get me on is um, www.stephaniezickman.com. Brilliant. Right. <laughs> so you've also got one of those really good names that if you Google it, you easily found not like common Rachel Spencer <laughs> I think that's a nice name it's got a nice ring to it See, the amount of people that get my name wrong as well Zeekman 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 <laughs> um, so no I like your name oh bless you thank you well thank you again for coming <laughs> thank on thank you so much Rachel thank okay. you 
Thank you for listening to the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast. For more free resources and ways to promote yourself as a pet entrepreneur, visit www.publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk.